Welcome to another episode of A Sporting Discussion. We're talking sports of all sorts and today I'm flying solo talking with Baseball Australia's Chief Executive Officer Cam Vale. Had a great chat with Cam in lockdown quarantine in Melbourne over the old Zoom connection. Uh, We had a chat about the upcoming structure that they've just announced of the Australian Baseball League which features an international conference based in New Zealand and an Australian conference in Australia obviously. Uh, Talk about the Olympic qualifications and where the national team is at and also a little bit about the proposed women's league that Baseball Australia was talking about a little while back. Cam's always a good chat. We've had him on the show a couple of times. He's open and honest about all the questions we ask. There's some questions from the listeners in there as well. I hope you enjoy it. If you like what you hear, why not give us a follow on Twitter at AST underscore radio. Give us a like on facebook.com slash a sporting discussion. Follow the podcast, share it with your friends and uh, give us your thoughts on what you think of the big sporting issues. And don't forget our brand new spruced up website, a sporting discussion.com.au. Here's Cam Vale from Baseball Australia. Baseball Australia CEO Cam Vale is back on a sporting discussion. Cam, welcome. Thanks for having me. It's a nice afternoon in uh, in sunny lockdown in Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, you can see my air conditioner behind me in lockdown. <laughs> it's the one um, in the world at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, big couple of weeks for Baseball Australia and the Australian Baseball League. Um, first with the announcement of the extension of Major League Baseball's uh, commitment to Uh, Australia, so to speak, Um, and then you've come out with your new model for the league. Um, Why don't you give us a quick, quick pricey version of what we're looking at for 2021? Yeah, so look, to be honest, we've been working on it pretty much since April, Uh, and uh, if if I look back at that point, we came off a pretty good season last year, so we had most of... um, most of this season ready to go. COVID's hit, so things have changed dramatically. But certainly in the last uh, three to four weeks, really been about uh, firstly getting that winter league agreement with MLB, so an extension on the continuing partnership, which effectively uh, the, for your uh, listeners and, and viewers is is that we are sanctioned by Major League Baseball to receive players from MLB clubs. So it's quite significant um, to our uh, past, our present, obviously our future. So putting that away was important and Obviously, MLB is going through a lot of changes and difficulties with COVID, so we've we've had to work in some specific um, clauses for this year as well. Uh, and then, really, the last few weeks has been finalising uh, what is our best schedule to put forward for this season. And there's certainly still a lot of work to be done. Uh, and probably going into it, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are still spec- speculative in a positive and a negative way to whether we can we can achieve it. But it was important that we we go out with a, a plan as best as you can in these times and go, you know, this is what we're going to try to deliver. We could wait and we could wait and, you know, in early November, wait till we know what the exact circumstances are. But, you know, I think it's important that um, for the teams and the fans and different pursuits around broadcasting, um, partners like MLB, that we we put something out that we believe is achievable, even though it's still got some hurdles to go. So the structure in the last few weeks has been a really positive discussion with the team owners, but really tricky for them too. They're all... um, They've all got business and other interests that are affected by COVID. So baseball is is part of that, whether it's, you know, the Adelaide Football Club that are in the sports industry or 
Uh, people like Mark Reedy and Brett Ralph who have other businesses away from, from baseball. Everyone's affected. And, um, yeah, I give a lot of credit to that group that um, we, we've got to the point we are. Uh, crisis sometimes does um, does create some some great um, opportunities uh, and also uh, almost a reality for everybody that if we don't work together, nothing's going to happen. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Good to have all the owners around the table. Has there been any... Have you been able to get anything involved with any of the relevant state governments, WASA, um, Victoria's probably got their hands full right now, but anyone like that? Yeah, look, we've had different conversations at, at various levels. Interestingly, Victorian government's probably been the most affected for some time because of um, the impact with Geelong Korea and uh, and working through, you know, with two teams in the state. So I um, certainly had a lot of chats with them. Look, most of the state governments at the moment are... Uh, focusing as they should be on on their their direct uh, state interests, so state associations and some of the professional clubs. We've had really good support um, from the sports minister, the federal sports minister, as far as just being able to speak to his key advisors and and a lot of times with um, in this sort of unknown world we're in, just being able to have conversations and uh, bounce ideas off people have been important. So um, being as non-political as I can, uh, and I generally am someone who sits on the fence politically, uh, both, uh, you know, certainly the Victorian state government uh, has been incredibly helpful in the last month as we work through Geelong and Korea and federally with um, with the federal government. Um, again, a lot of work to be done, but a lot of support because sport is so important from grassroots to the elite that it is part of the recovery and it's going to be a very important part moving forward. But the challenge with governments at the moment is sport is also not the immediate priority when it comes to health, you know, the economy and all the big ticket items that um, that COVID is, is um, wreaking havoc on. Yeah, I was going to ask about whether there's some financial support or something coming from federal or state for either the – for. Baseball Australia or for the state associations as well. Can you give us anything on that or is that is it too early in the paper? Yeah. Uh, look, it's a bit of a mixture. So state governments have been very proactive uh, and it really does vary from state to state at the moment as to the level of support. Some is direct um, support. Uh, we have been supported by the Victorian government, which is from a from a federated national perspective is just phenomenal that a state government would, would help us through this. Um, so most of the state governments at various levels are contributing um, all the way through their system. And then federally, um, the budget office has been delayed until October. So with Sport Australia, you know, it'd be fair to say there's a strong push from all the national bodies to go, look, we've been pretty patient. Um, we, as much as anything, just need some certainty around um, existing funding. I think that's probably um, the difficulty we want, uh, difficult at the moment. The, the Australian Institute of Sport has confirmed funding for Olympic sports for the next 12 months, so that gives a, a level of certainty. Um, but most of our federal government funding is, is tied to, you know, running a national body, high-performance programs. So when it comes to the ABL, um, we're sort of talking more in the, the commercial sense of the growth of the league, its importance in um, representing Australia overseas markets and the potential that we had coming off the last season into this season hasn't really changed. It's now, okay, with COVID and, and clearly saying in area like tourism where international borders are closed at the moment um, we can't give that direct return on investment but a lot of the discussion at the moment is about you know but that will change right that that 
that will be solved, whether it's in one month, two months, two years, three years, whatever, whatever the, the, you know, international travel and tourism will be, again, a significant part of the recovery. And, and sports like us have, have been uh, in that mix in, in federal government discussions. Um, so it's a combination of that sort of direct funding that we get to exist as, as sporting organisations and then more in that creative space, if you like, as to, you know, what else we can offer. So I, I, I can't really um, be too critical at all, to be frank. I think the governments at all levels and both political persuasions have been pretty good, um, even though, that you know, I must admit a lot of sports are hanging by a thread in, in needing some confirmation of what the next, you know, six to 12 months looks like from a funding perspective. Yeah, we've got a question about that from one of our listeners, Xavier, who was wondering how how Baseball Australia is going to be able to cover quarantine, travel costs, all of that, the associated things that are happening with an international conference over in New Zealand, never mind yeah. what may or may not be required for the home. Yeah, look, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, and there's the interest, like, it's quite uh, interesting as far as a sport like baseball, and I, and I hate terms like second tier and niche, so I'm running with emerging sports, right? There's sports like us that uh, are behind the big boys uh, in Australia, um, but are looking to, to emerge and, and find a new path forward. So for us, we don't have the money to throw at quarantining uh, like you know an AFL or an NRL or even cricket will do because of the importance of their their high broadcast revenue streams. It's almost like they have to protect it. So we have to be a little bit more creative. And and part of those conversations with government will be, well, how else can we mitigate risk? around our ABL season and when international players and teams are coming in. So uh, are there some exemptions or even some ways forward that we can modify uh, how we how we would make sure the community is not at risk but keep our own costs down and, and allow our competitions to be played? And baseball, uh, as obviously a lot of your, your um, listeners would know, is, is certainly different to sports like an AFL or rugby league that play once a week you know, there's a lot of dead time and even if it's training, you know, there's a the, the movement in a baseball um, model, if you're playing five, six games a week, can be pretty consistent that, you know, players and officials and the like are literally moving from their accommodation to venues. And we'll, we'll try and work with that to, again, show what we can do to be safe. And, and, and obviously there's also a sense that we have to give ourselves a chance that uh, that things will improve to a degree that might allow a little bit more relaxing of some of these conditions. And that's, you know, everybody can have a, a prediction at the moment. And I, like, I've literally heard everything from it's going to be great after Christmas to international borders won't open for 18 months. And, you know, if you wait, you're just going to get lost. And I think what we've got to do is is try to try to mitigate those those risks because money's not going to solve the problem for us as, as, as far as that question goes um, and be creative in a uh, safe way to try to to try to get those outcomes I think if state borders remained up uh, it's going to make it incredibly difficult for you know we don't expect athletes international or Australian to be sitting in quarantine for 14 days before they would play a shortened uh, ABL season. That, that that becomes an incredibly difficult hurdle um, to overcome. And we did get a question from Robbie North asking about the plans for support staff, like front office staff, commentators, scorers, umpires for the international conference. Is that Are they going to dip into the New Zealand market there to do that or are you going to be able to get your folks over there? 
Yeah, they'll be a little bit locally, but we'll certainly when it comes to, you know, officials and, and potentially commentators uh, and a few others that we will absolutely have to look as far as if we applied in government, we might be applying for players and staff and certain officials. Um, interestingly, with things like commentators, that's where, again, we've probably got to be a little bit smarter. A lot of it can be done remotely mm-hmm. uh, from, you know, different studios and even internationally at the moment. Like we can we can have a, a Japanese commentary over an English game if we set it up properly um, that is pretty affordable that obviously doesn't require, you know, putting people into to any of the locations, New Zealand or Australia. So it's being smart about it, but definitely with officials. Officials uh, are going to be a very important part of this. And, and it'd be fair to say, you know, with New Zealand's growth in baseball, which is great, they don't have that depth of officials, of umpiring and scoring and, and so many other logistics of, you know, uh, that we need to think through from even running a venue now. If it's if the hub are successful, you know, double headers, what does that mean for staffing? What does that mean for the facility? Um, so it's, um, you know, again, a lot of work to be done. And, and again, normally with these things, pre-COVID, you, you wouldn't go out with this strategy until you had, you know, it locked away. Mm. Now you've got to go out with an intent around your strategy. Be respectful to the stakeholders that you're still talking to, um, and we and we also have plans B and C to both conferences as to the the things that we could predict that could disrupt it from COVID shutdowns to um, to all sorts of other things. And some will be difficult to to mitigate, and some yeah you, you can you can find a path forward if you're smart. And you know the word agile. I don't, I don't know. I don't think agile, I thought that was one of those words people were phasing out, but even I use it all the time now. I'm not exactly agile as a having a huge company executive, but um, as far as our thought processes, you definitely need to be very agile at the moment. So I guess the uh, we had a couple of questions, one from Jody, one from Liam, and one from Mick about how the international hub would work. And I don't expect you to be able to go into the minutiae of all of it, but I guess the main questions um, were around how Brisbane and Adelaide uh, how they came to the decision that it was going to be Brisbane and Adelaide, but also yeah. um, do, are there considerations available or something like that if a lot of the players have jobs outside of baseball, um, if a player can't make it over to New Zealand or even a domestic player if they can't make it because it's pretty rough out there at the moment with the employment situation around the world mm-hmm. and uh, COVID-19. So has the league got plans in place for, uh, I guess, contingencies for that if there's people who opt out? Yeah, so a couple of parts to answer that question. The first part, Brisbane and Adelaide, uh, and, to, and to Geelong Career's credit, uh, put their hand up pretty early to look at this model. And obviously Geelong Career is a very different one with, with a professional, you know, uh, players and minor league players. So, so I'll, I'll put them to one side. Uh, but certainly as far as the hub idea, they, they were a big part of um, – our consideration with this. So with Brisbane and Adelaide, um, look, they are having conversations with their players to, to work through these issues um, and we will try to support it as much as we can. And look, a lot of this will come down to, uh, so the intent will be Brisbane and Adelaide will still play home and away in Australia. So uh, they would at least get those first uh, two series off, if you like, um, in Australia, uh, and then look to move into into the hub. So we'll try to condense it as much as we possibly can. And look, 
the, a key consideration will be that Trans-Tasman um, opportunity has opened up or, as I said, there's a model we can work to with government to um, have those exemptions because, you know, a lot of our best national players, uh, your questionnaires are, are right, um, you know, they're working full-time, so they're balancing that. They might get a little bit of, of leave to do a Thursday and Friday, but whether they can do the full week. So, um, again, we'll have to uh, deal with that as we get into the um, – the process of applying for exemptions and, and, and what we need to meet because, you know, this is still an Olympic year, even though we've delayed the Olympics a year. So it's certainly all, all athletes obviously important, but those national athletes that uh, the ABL is a key part of their preparation based in Australia, we, we have to try to find solutions for them. I think what will be interesting um, and, and speaking really on behalf of that, those owners and Auckland and Geelong career is we all want to win and lose, but that will that that aspect's in play. But I think when it comes to issues like this, it'll be put to one side to you know to allow. So if it meant a late you know change potentially to a roster or different things that you know needed to have that asterisk next to because of these some of these Australian player issues, um, that's something that we just have to do at the time and be prepared to do it. I think I think there's a there'll be really a real willingness with all those teams to to make that work um, because, as I said, it, it, and as the question's asked, it's it's one of the big challenges and it's probably been one of the uh, systemic issues with the ABL is that, you know, those Australian athletes are the ones that sacrifice the most, that are, you know, living in Australia, working full-time, committing to the ABL, committing to the national team. Um, they're the ones we, we should look after as best as we can in a normal uh, year, let alone in a year like this. So outside of, you know, black and white decisions being made not to allow, you know, say a player to leave and come back, um, that's probably the biggest hurdle with that. Um, but, again, in this in this world at the moment, uh, maybe there's other ways that will come up that we can, we can work around that potentially. Yeah, okay. So like uh, federal funding for the Olympic uh, tilt could be used to keep that to – and let those teams stay there for that period of time, yeah. Yeah, and a number of our national athletes are now being supported uh, based on results, which is fantastic. So the Premier 12 result has meant mm. the athletes in the national squad uh, do qualify for uh, some funding. It's certainly not going to buy them a house or anything crazy, but it will. could it help mitigate uh, during these times? It, it's definitely part of it. And, um, and as I said, something that we're all going to have to try to look to, to work through because it's a difficult one now in that if it happened today, like if we were playing tomorrow, it would be almost impossible to overcome because if we did get an exemption, everyone's going to stay, in this case, in New Zealand. Um, and it would be very, very difficult to to find a, a way back for those athletes. So I think in that case, it's really direct financial support that's the only solution. But even though I'd say at the moment that would be tough, it would be on the table. Like you don't, you don't take anything off the table as a consideration until it, it literally can't occur or you can't afford it or it's just it's just not practical. Or it's not safe. Yeah. Well, leading to that, when it comes to sponsorship and broadcasts and such, the ABL's in a unique situation uh, compared to the other leagues where international reach is much bigger than domestic reach. So the opportunity for international sponsorship and exposure is there that it's not at for a number of other sports. Is the International League and this possible ninth team that uh, Baseball Australia is talking about, is this an opportunity to... I guess, grab the MLB, the major league supporter who wouldn't necessarily think of uh, 
going to or supporting an ABL club? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a couple of aspects to this. Certainly from a broadcast perspective, the international conference and even the seven innings decision has been made to give ourselves as good a chance as we can, balancing, you know, Australian and New Zealand interest, which is good at the moment. And, I've, and uh, you know, you never want to – it's not – so I don't want to tell people what's going on. I almost don't want to jinx it at the moment as to some of these positive discussions. And so I feel we're well, this is one area that has got us well-placed. And even um, the condensed season, which I know to baseball fans is, you know, and I, and I, ac- I accept this and um, that is not ideal. But when you're an emerging sport like us, less is more is often a better model to, to at least make those inroads to broadcasters, show them what you can do. Uh, hopefully attract that viewership and, and, and for them their commercial model, whether it's advertising or subscription. So um, so I'm pretty confident in our discussions in Australia and New Zealand at the moment and certainly uh, some of the international discussions have been promising that we are tr- really banking on the fact that we can try to get as much broadcast as possible this season, but the international aspect of Geelong, Korea and Auckland does give us a leg up uh, before we even try to look at costs from just that revenue side of things and um, and Adelaide and Brisbane's sacrifice around home series is potentially going to help that as well. So one of the areas I'd like to be able to break through this season is to really capitalise on the international broadcast, feed that back into a good Australian uh, broadcast model and almost have that path with it. You know, I don't know if we'll be solving the financial issues in one fell swoop, but I think we can set up a path to the future that does show to an international audience, hey, the ABL is uh, is a good league, it's a good standard league, and obviously with the different players that are in it that um, we can create that exposure. And, and some of it will be to be as creative as we can too. There's so many digital and technology solutions out there that we I think we can we can do to improve our chances of getting broader reach and, and more revenue to tip back into the model um, is going to be important. And that's, yeah, the fifth team discussion in that conference or the ninth team overall is because we've probably got three legitimate uh, areas of interest at the moment. Um, again, borders is fundamentally a, a, an issue that would stop them doing it tomorrow. So we're now balancing, geez, we've got this interest. It could be... Yeah, hugely significant to where we go. Let's not let's not say no to it at this point because we've got to release a schedule. But the same, you know, the, the, the train's moving, so you know, they, I don't want to leave them too far behind on a you know a station too far back that we can't pick them up. And um, so I think in the next sort of three to four weeks, we have to either bring that to the forefront and make it happen, uh, or then lock in um, you know the current uh, schedule that we've got. And I've done probably 102 different schedules. I mean, I've never done a schedule in my life, but I've sort of – I don't know, it's weird. I'm so drawn to this ABL year being as successful as we can. Um, it's probably unfair on a lot of my staff. I've literally dedicated you know 95% of my time to the ABL um, because I think that it is one of the most important years that – we have to give ourselves every chance to be successful, and this is one of them. And the broadcast internationally back into Australia, uh, it's a huge possibility. And, and, again, I don't want to dismiss the Australian conference either with that as to what that might look like. Uh, is there different aspects? I think that the, the different views of the, the teams in each of the conferences is that um, the Australian conference is still very much focused on playing at home, building a strong ticketing model, building a strong hospitality model. Some of those teams were, were really buoyant going into this season to go, look, this is the year, you know, in 20 games we're going to really succeed. So we've been try- we've tried to respect that as well to go, 
it's not for everybody to go to a hub or to focus on broadcasting. It's not for everybody to just go to a pure ticketing model. And, and again, luck, skill, uh, timing, it sort of meant, well, you know, the eight teams have fallen into four, you know, two conferences by four that I think will work pretty well um, that have largely given each of those teams what they wanted as, as best as we could in, in an environment like this. So, um, yeah, I think the broadcast is important um, and, Again, if we can have breakthroughs this year that set us up, we don't want one-offs. We don't want to just cobble it together and that helps us get through this year. It's got to be a breakthrough that's meaningful. Um, and we've been on the cusp of that for some time now. So, again, Australia is ultimately is the ultimate market that we've got to break through in. The weird part is it's sort of – it could be the international deals that allow that to happen and then, you know, and then it is, hey – Australian products got to be strong. Australian broadcasters want international, you know, interest, but they want the Australian players. They want the Australian interest. They want bands. So it's, um, yeah, it's not rocket science as far as what broadcasters want. We just have to be a little bit different in how we create it compared to, say, cricket. Uh, even netball, you know, netball, a great example. I love what netball have done. Um, they have such a strong domestic focus uh, as far as how they're building it, whereas, you know, we, we have we have a team, Geelong Career, that is built for an international broadcast before everything else. It's it's um, it's, it's baseball's great strength. It's international reach into massive countries. Australia's challenge is to, to turn that, you know, in my challenge, uh, uh, is to turn that into something sustainable for our future. Mm. Speaking of the international breach, um, Olympic qualification obviously got kicked off a little bit down the road um, when Japan Olympics were postponed till I think it's July, August next year. Um, so can you give us an update on where things are at with the qualification rounds and things like that? Yeah, so it's, it's, yeah, it's a good question because one of the most, the other important reasons the ABL this season is, you know, with the Olympic focus um, uh, in place. So um, look at at this stage, uh, I would say World Baseball Classic is highly unlikely to, to proceed, um, but, we'll, you know, um, that's not my decision, but highly unlikely. Uh, so the Olympic qualifier uh, that was planned for late March in Taiwan uh, in 2020 is still the model and we're expecting it to be announced that it will be the same, basically the same dates at last week into March, give or take, it will be tailored to ensure that the um, the CBBL, the Taiwan League, is isn't affected and that's... You know, good luck to them. They're the host. They're, they're, you know, that's um, you get those advantages. Uh, so we expect roughly the same timing uh, to that competition. There's still two teams that need to qualify out of the uh, Americas. So, um, so there's a bit of work to be done. Um, uh, but at this stage, the Olympic qualifier late March, the Olympics in July. We're, look, we're sixth in the world. We'll probably go into this qualifier as give or take maybe this, the, the third uh, highest ranked um, team, depending on whether the US goes through first or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you know, we're in it to to win it. Uh, we're certainly in it from a ranking perspective. Um, our playing cohort is is a really good mix, uh, and obviously well led by David Nielsen as, as the Premier 12 results showed. So yeah, the big hurdle of beating Taiwan or Chinese Taipei in in, in Taiwan is is yeah that's that's the challenge. But hey, there's only five qualifying spots and six teams in the Olympics, and we're ranked sixth. So. You know, we're, it's probably as fairly placed as it could be, and I think the big one is if we if we go through, um, you know, they in, in betting or racing terms, they pay down to third. So there's a bronze medal still in a sixteen competition, and um, and as we've proven, uh, tournament baseball is where we can really thrive. And 
you know, we might not beat the US or Japan or Korea in a seven-game series, but um, can we beat them once when it counts? Absolutely. We showed that. Yeah, look, we thought in, you know, you don't want to say could have, should have, would have, but we did beat the US in the Premier 12. We really could have beaten um, uh, Japan and, and um, Chinese Taipei. So it's uh, the Premier 12. So we're... We're good enough to make it, but it's geez, it's 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 harder to make it almost than to medal. And with all due respect to um, Israel, that's qualified out of out of Europe. Um, at worst, we're going to go in ranked fifth into the Olympics, possibly fourth if we were to qualify as far as ranking goes. So yeah, we're we're well and truly in the mix. But this qualifier, um, yeah, it's <laughs> it's not going to be easy, but. Um, uh, it's uh, you know it's in our hopefully it's in our in our court to 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 qualify. But again, you know the Olympics itself. I mean, I got asked I think in April of this year, you know, what's the chances of the Olympics being qualified? And I think I would uh, uh, Olympics being cancelled, and I would have said absolutely no chance they would mm. cancel the Olympics. It's too big an event. But this shows like what this you know what this crisis has done right like so I, I try not to give any predictions except it's scheduled to compete uh, the it was scheduled to go ahead the Olympics and we would assume um, that it is and we're planning to yeah beautiful. all right Cam thanks again for chatting to us I just got one last question before we go now a little while back probably what 12, 18 months ago um, Baseball Australia spoke about launching a women's Australian baseball mm-hmm. baseball league um, league of her own I think it was through there can you give us an update on where that's at. Yeah, I can. It's one that um, has. It's there's really no excuses except just the demands that we've been under in the last six months of uh, have not even put pause to it. It's just trying to work through um, where and how we can launch it successfully. So the intent is absolutely there, and uh, and while I'm CEO, we will we will launch a women's league and get it uh, moving, and hopefully um, we'll get some stuff out pretty quickly now that we're sort of almost dealing with the immediate crisis that we're under and, and how to get the ABL moving forward. The other one that's probably um, curtailed a little bit uh, while we haven't been able to progress things is the Women's World Cup of Baseball is still scheduled for November. Um, the chances of it going ahead are very, very slim. Uh, and for us at the moment, we couldn't compete. So um, the government, I'm, I would find it very difficult to see how we would be able to uh, compete Pete and go to Mexico, um, and obviously, you know, the women athletes, the, the female baseballers are all working, studying, have other commitments. So it'd be, you know, it, it'd be a sacrifice. It'd be unfair. So assuming that does get postponed, uh, that's the only thing that will really curtail when we would launch or start a league. We wouldn't want to compete against it, obviously, but um, hopefully. In the month of September, uh, because it's on my list, it's on my responsibilities to move forward, uh, we'll, we'll go to the next step of, of what a women's ABL will look like. Um, there's a huge amount of interest still behind the scenes from the teams, ABL teams, uh, sponsors and government, uh, even in some of these discussions with government. Part of the recovery is, is you know, the immediate issues we're dealing with, but where we want to come out of this bigger and better is the fact that, you know, we believe a women's league would be quite strong. And, and, you know, some of the changes of the ABL this season might even dictate formats of, you know, of how a women's ABL can be sustainable. Is it a home and away model? Is it a, um, a hub type model? Is it a, is it a combination of both? Um, so it's definitely still, you know, a significant priority, but like a few things in our business at the moment, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, 
it's one that we, we've needed to put on hold to get it right because rushing that forward at the moment, I think we'd make mistakes based on just, you know, not understanding the environment that we're in. And um, But the intent is all there and, and 100% my responsibility. Um, the stakeholders are all lined up. Uh, I've now just got to uh, turn my attention to it. Uh, the ABL and homeschooling um, have, um, have been um, challenging and I'm not even going to say which one's more challenging, to be frank. All right. Yeah, I can imagine uh, many meetings through Zoom and all of those sort of things to try and get stuff done on the side while you're trying to keep the home fires burning as well. Yeah, look, I mean, the, the travel for me, it's been, you know, in a job like this, I was probably travelling almost once a week, it felt, you know, interstate um, or internationally. And um, so it's, been, it's interesting when you reflect on, you know, travel is important and face-to-face meetings are important. But, you know, it's still a first world problem that, you know, a lot of us are dealing with working from home. And um, so, I, you know, you can't complain too much. It's, uh, and, and, in a, and especially in the sports industry, uh, you get, you know, you need flexible hours because sports are not a nine to five, Monday to Friday um, job. And that's, you know, at all levels, um, the biggest sport, the smallest sports, state, federal clubs, national bodies. So it's, um, you know, it's all part of uh, where we're at. So I think um, society will change after this, but sport will be so important in the recovery. I think what really motivates me is, you know, we do, as I said, it is a first world problem. Um, uh, executives and myself and my team can progress the sport. It's challenging for different things at the moment, but there's actually a lot of opportunities to, to work out how your sport can be better through this process and and maybe well not maybe I, I have no doubt that some of the emerging sports will be far better on the other side even if it's if you think differently or you're just approaching your challenges differently because you have to whereas some of the biggest sports have had very fixed and dare I say it you know luxury models that they've probably they may be growing you know quite um, not lazy is not the right word but they've they've become quite comfortable in those models they're in and now they're being challenged dramatically and um and in a sad way when you see you know people losing their jobs and and the like so for us you know a lot of our stakeholders the motivation is you know there's a chance to survive this period and then thrive on the other side and i think that's where you know we've got to uh take as many people as we can and um and and I'm, i'm very optimistic about what can happen very mindful too that as i said the challenges of my job at the moment are a first world problem. When small business uh, is being, you know, uh, people are being ruined and, you know, livelihoods and, and the like, you know, sport also has to be pretty realistic that um, there are bigger things out there than um, than what we're dealing with at the moment. But, yeah, but let's 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 try and take sport forward. It's one of the great opportunity opportunities normally in a creative environment and and this is as said as, as challenging it is it's probably the most creative environment i can remember in 20 years in sport oh, good. i'm glad to hear that um that's good to hear things like that that people are thinking taking things another way and looking for opportunity um yeah i think that's good across the board not just in not just in sport like you said we have to and i think leaders uh and especially sports leaders need to yeah, you know, you have you have to be you have to take a risk to get something right. So you know, and, and a lot of the opportunities that come up in sport require a lot of hard work. So they're not gifted to you because it's you know it's an easy outcome. So you know whether some people are being forced to or others just adapt because that's the environment. The opportunities are often hard, but they are exciting, and that's why you've got to go after them. And um, and as I said, at this. 
don't know, mate, because of COVID's almost giving people a little bit of um, protection, those that are a bit risk adverse, you have to uh, you have to be able to take your ideas forward in this environment and challenge yourself. And again, if something goes wrong or like at the moment, the seven versus nine innings debate, I said to my staff and I'll say it publicly and to anybody who wants to listen, it's a legitimate debate to have. I have no problems with people saying, I don't think this will work or that's not, you know, that's not the strategy. If you're a traditional baseball fan and you, geez, we've got two competitions that are playing under two separate rules, that's okay to go, I'm not sure that's the right strategy or, or debate it or be interested in how it's going to work. I, I think, um, you know, to come up with a strategy at the moment that wouldn't have discussion would be a huge disappointment for me. If, if we did something so simple and safe and so conservative, where's that going to lead to for, for us? Like, it's just how, how do you get to the other side and be potentially better? So, you know, where we're at at the moment is that uh, it's going to be a fascinating period coming up, a lot of work still to be done, but, you know, put, we've got to put ourselves out there. Uh, don't be afraid to fail to, to, to succeed. Mm, yeah, good. And on that note, I'll say thanks again, Cam Vale, for joining us here on a sporting discussion. Best of luck and hope to chat to you when it all comes off. Absolutely. Happy to come back on as uh, as things progress because I'm sure that this isn't the only um, week of announcements we're going to make that um, will be of interest. So more than happy to return. No worries. Thanks a lot. See you later. Thanks, AJ.